I believe that there's going, the United Kingdom is going to see a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit like we've never seen before. And it's going to have the ability to turn the tide of culture. Uh, and we're going to see reformation in the United Kingdom such as we've not seen in our lives before. Um, um, I, I believe in it so much that it, it, it sometimes causes me not to sleep and not to eat. Um, I believe in it that much that I've lost my appetite for, the, for, the, for earthly things because I've so pursued, and I'm not perfect, but I've so pursued the things of God for the last 15 years. And I was telling my story uh, to, to James and his team. I love, by the way, meeting with your team. You definitely tug on. I was like in the meeting, like, I best buy this CD myself because they tugged on some things. And I might share a few things that we shared in, the, in, 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 our, in our private meeting. Um, but I so believe in it that some, I, we go on extended fast in our church. We went on a 21 day fast with water and, uh, we were seeking the Lord and praying. And I went into the shower, um, and all of a sudden while I'm in a, sh in the shower, an angel shows up while I'm worshiping. And the angel says to me, there's a storm coming. And he was holding, I didn't share this part, he was holding a long piece of paper that said petition. It said petition over it. And it was empty waiting for the petitions of the saints. And, and he said, there's a storm coming. And he said, it's going to be a prayer storm. And it will sweep the United Kingdom with power. So I got excited. I called my entire team. I said, team, quickly. I think God wants to start, to start a ministry called Prayer Storm. <laughs> I had just left the church I was in for over a decade. I'd served in this church. I planted over 20 churches in the United Kingdom while I was serving under this church. So I'd served faithfully. I didn't leave out of anger. I served and I transitioned faithfully. And as I left, I was looking for God. What's next? What do you want to do in my life next? Where do you want to take me? And, and so when I got this vision, I said, my God, I'm meant to run a ministry called Prayer Storm. This is why I'm slightly offended. I'm, I'm, I'm healing. But, but so, so I, I, I quickly start writing down the vision and I jump to Google and I'm like making sure there's no one out there who's got this name, Prayer Storm. And I look and I see James Gall had a ministry in the past. I saw Lou Ingle had something called Prayer Storm at one point, uh, but I was so glad everything was shut down. So I'm getting ready. We're, <laughs> we're building the website. I kid you not, we started, it's got prayer storm, it slides across, there's another page called UK Ablaze, and it slides across, and we got all these things on our website. The next day I see a video of this black guy on YouTube. And he's there going, guys, there's going to be a prayer storm, and go, I was like, Aah! I said to my guys, we got to hurry up. There's competition, guys. we got to hurry. Somebody's doing it. And the, the, it was like the next week I was invited to a redeemed church in Northampton to preach. And on the same leaflet right next to me was prayer storm leader James Aladdin. And I, and I show up at the meeting and we, we had a little time in the foyer or something. And I said to him, you know, I think God just showed me what was going to happen in your ministry. <laughs> you go ahead, you run. I got your back all the way. Amen. <laughs> and, and, 
And I, I'm, I'm so glad because I already feel like a part of prayer storm. You've got me for life. I feel like a part of prayer storm. We're the same DNA, same kin, same tribe. And, and so I, I strongly believe in this vision. I strongly believe in what God's going to do. Um, and I was sitting down thinking, oh, man, I've got a partner. I've got a partner. But then I felt my wife. Because our partner, I'm going to. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain to my wife why we need to. <laughs> all, the, all the men are like, good luck. <laughs> but, but I'm going to explain. I'm going to try. You know, so I saw Jesus do, and I took it out of Jesus' book. He said to his mother, woman. I remember saying that to my mom. And, and she just about 180 slapped me. Have you ever... <laughs> Have you ever seen your, you see, you see your past? And, uh, but uh, I'm, 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 I, I say that to say we honor this ministry. And I actually believe if I sow in this ministry, I'll be blessed. I truly believe it because um, whenever I'm looking to sow in a ministry, I'm an investor by nature, by the way. I run an investment firm as well as running a ministry. I've got a tug of war that goes on inside of me. I'm a businessman and I'm a preacher as well. And that tug of war ended when I realized that God wants to raise up kings and priests and prophets. The New Testament saint is a hybrid. We used to have a king, then we had a priest, then we had a prophet. Guess what? New Testament, you're all kings, you're all priests. And you're all prophets called to, called, to, called to as kings to reign in life, as priests to bring heaven to earth, and as prophets to, dec to declare from what I call the omega realm, the finished works of God, things into existence, and call those things that be not as though they were. Um, I, I've just seen the time, so I best hurry up. Amen. My entire church family is watching us on live stream. So hi, guys. Hey to my wife. Hey, boo. Hey to my baby and to my other baby who was born just on January the 2nd. I say, please feel sorry for me. I've, I've got two under two and uh, Elijah is my son. Yana is my daughter and Yana was just born on the 2nd of January and Elijah is, he's such an affectionate boy. In fact, when my spiritual mom uh, was prophesying over Elijah's birth, she said, this boy will be extremely sensitive and loving. And so you see Elijah, and Elijah literally runs over to his sister, Yana, barely like a day old, and he hugs her and kisses her. But he like kisses her nose and her entire mouth so she can't breathe. And then he lies on top of her, and she's like suffocating. He, so... So we always have to watch his love. He can literally, he can literally love you to death my, <laughs> if, if, if we don't watch him. Uh, so I'm proud of my family. I love my wife and I love my kids and I miss them. I wish she could come, but the baby's so new that we can bring the baby down. Hasn't even been vaccinated yet. Anyway, so what did I want to talk to you about today uh, real quickly? And I, I want the opportunity to prophesy over many of you as well if I get the chance. Amen. Amen. We'll, we'll see. But what I, what, I, what I really felt like God wanted to release today, um, I hear so many people say, you don't need encounters, all you need is the word. And, and often those people who say all you need is the word, uh, they look like they need the word themselves. <laughs> um, 
You, 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 need, you need a mixture of the two. You know, the Bible says the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Which one's more important, spirit or truth? Well, ask a bird which one of its wings are more important. Tell a bird, hey, which one of your wings should I chop off? Which one is your favorite wing? <laughs> it's impossible for that bird to fly if it doesn't have both wings. In the same way, you need the wings of the Spirit and you need the wings of the truth of the Word of God. Jesus said the letter kills, but the Spirit will give life to the letter of the Word of God. So you need both. And, I, and, and I'm concerned because I, I saw the New Testament saints. Do you realize the power and the dimension of the anointing that they walked in and they did not have a Bible? The Bible was still being written. Everything they got was revealed from the Old Testament. Because the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Everything we see in the Old Testament was screaming about Jesus. When we saw in the Garden of Eden that Adam and his wife had sinned, the Bible says in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, but the Word was who? God himself. So where do we see the Word in the, in, the, in the Garden of Eden? The Bible says in the book of Genesis that Adam and his wife hid themselves from the voice of the Lord that was walking in the garden. There was a voice walking. Does that ever baffle you? Adam and his wife hid themselves from the voice of the Lord that was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. What I want to teach you today is accessing the spirit realm. I'm tired of witches having a monopoly over that realm. It's time that we had some anointed, born-again people who can pull down principalities and pull down powers. Hello, somebody. It's time, that we, it's, it's time that it didn't become extraordinary that God showed us. You see, Elijah the prophet, it, it was strange to him that God didn't tell him something. For Elisha, it, I, I mean, for the New Testament saints, for all of us, it's strange when we get it right. We're like, oh, thank God. For Elijah the prophet, he said, hey, the Lord didn't tell me that. It was strange for God not to reveal something to him. Are you all awake today? Yeah. Are you ready for a bit of boot camp? Yeah. Is this an army? Is this like, I feel like this is a, a camp. The army is ready. Amen. Yeah. Amen. I was sharing with them some of my encounters, and I, share my, I do share my encounters because God released me. I, stopped, I didn't for a long time because people start to think you're crazy. Um, but I started revealing my encounters, and I noticed something happened the more I revealed my encounters. I noticed that truly Christianity is not taught, it's caught. I realized that just like the flu, people started ca catching encounters for themselves, and, and it became normal in our church to have God encounters. Amen. We need fresh encounters with the Lord. Jesus himself said in the book of John chapter 3, he said, you study the scriptures. You're studious in the word of God. You study the scriptures because you believe in them you find life. Yet you refuse to come to me. You refuse to encounter me that you might actually obtain this life. So when I was, uh, uh, quickly, when I was uh, uh, 15 years old, I I'm going to bite-size my story from this morning. Are you ready? 
I'm going to go through this very quickly. When I was 15 years old, I was, I was uh, born again. I, I was uh, uh, expelled from my old school. I had a beautiful school. Beautiful. The, the, the meals, my, my parents were paying almost like 16 grand a term for this school. Because we were so naughty, they, they had to like <laughs> do something. Like 16 grand a term for, for us knucklehead. I have a twin, by the way. And I have to make that clear everywhere I go. Somebody already uh, mistaken. Somewhere you already said, oh, I saw you preaching in Bethel. I was like, no. I was almost just going to go, hey, man. I was like, no, that's my twin. I have a twin identical to me. And oftentimes I have to like, make, sure, make sure people know that because I've been accused of having, committing adultery. Because my twin brother is also married. And so people don't know that I'm a twin and they see me walking with another woman. And it's the most awkward experience. They like say hello to me and they go. And they look at me and they go, are you okay? And he gets the same thing because we minister in different circles. So I, I have a twin. And myself and my twin, well, I was expelled from my school. Immediate, uh, uh, for, I won't tell you why because you'll think I'm, you won't invite me back. Uh, but I was, a, I was expelled from my school. And my mom was so efficient that in a lunch break, she moved me from one school to a new school. That is a good mom, right? Lunch break. Moved. And I'm in this new school. And it was like I knew what Joseph felt like from the palace to the prison. I was so spoiled. Our dishes were so nice. Filet mignon, caviar. Oh, it was beautiful. They made us good food in this school. But my, we moved to this new school. There was a shanty town. The classrooms were like caravans. And I asked the dinner lady, what's the special? Go, special? What do you mean Special. I saw people putting beans in their bread, and I saw monster munchies, and I said, is this food? And so I'm, 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 I'm here thinking, what's going on? And all of a sudden, what I now know later, there was a young girl who was backsliding in her Christian walk. And she made a prayer, God, can you send me someone who I can witness to, who will re reinvigorate my fire? And so she made me the object of her evangelism. Amen. And so she kept pursuing me every single day. She kept talking to me about Jesus. Every time I'll say a swear word, she had this really high-pitched nasal American accent. She go, oh my God, you just swore. And, and, and you'd hear it ringing out through the classroom. And, and, but she would witness to me every single day. And what I didn't know is God gave her a prayer burden for me. She would pray for me all night to be born again. And I would hear her voice while I was sleeping at night because she watered her voice with prayers. And then I would go to her every single day and say, you know, uh, tell me about God. What does he sound like? Is it like Barry White? Is it oh, you? How does he? I, I really asked these questions. I said, well, what does it? Because she had convinced me that she knows God. I was brought up Roman Catholic. The most I knew about God was in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. I was brought up Roman Catholic and I was the candle boy. Always falling asleep. And now, this girl is telling me God speaks. I said, no, God speaks to the Pope. Then he speaks to the Cardinals. Then it might get to Thomas or one of the saints. But then he might redirect you to another route. And then it might get to you eventually. But she said, God speaks to her. 
I said, well, what does he sound like? What does he look like? Is he black? Is he white? Is he Asian? I, I promise you I ask these questions. I still ask strange questions till this day. And she says to me, you know, Toby, she says to me one day, she goes, Toby, I've answered all the questions. I exhausted her with my questions. She said, I've, look, do you want Jesus to live in your heart? I said, yeah, of course. Well, I, I promise you I said these words. How's he going to fit? <laughs> you can see how intelligent I was as a child. How's he going to fit? He said, you've just described this gigantic God, and you're saying he wants to live inside. She said, don't worry about it. It's a miracle. He'll do it. I gave my life to Jesus Christ, and I can honestly tell you the weirdest thing happened. I started hearing the voice of God. I thought every Christian heard the voice of God. I really did think it was normal. And so I'm hearing the voice of God, and immediately I heard the voice of God say this. It was the end of school, and God said, run to the train station. I ran to the train station. I just obeyed the voice. And I get there. I'm like, this Christian walk is cool. There's like a sat-nav in my head and in my heart telling me where to go. And I ran to the train station. I arrived at the train station, and there's a guy on the tracks. He goes to my school. His name was Scott. And God said, call him off the tracks and tell him about me. I said, Scott, what are you doing? He said, I want to die. I said, come over here. I want to tell you about life, real life. And without a scripture to rub together, I preached to him the simple gospel that there was a loving God who died for him. I didn't bring out my KJV and bash him over the head. I just told him the simple gospel. But you see something, when you have a relationship with God, you can say the simple gospel and it comes from a dimension. Do you understand? Some people try hard to exegete the text. But when you have a relationship with God, how their hearts burn within them when you speak. They can feel like this. There's a reality to what you're saying. There's something that they used to say in business. They used to say to me in my business seminars, before you go and sell the product, be the product. How many Christians are going out selling a product they don't even believe in? Taste it yourself. Let others see the fruit of it. And let them enjoy. And so this young boy called Scott, I pulled him off the tracks. He got saved. The next day I go home and God said, I will bring you into ministry today. I didn't even know what ministry was. I get up in the morning. I go to my school. And all of a sudden as I'm at my school, my brother mocks me about this till this day. He says it was like a messianic movie. And he goes, oh, the sun moved from one side of the playground just to me. And I was sat on a log reading my Bible. And all of a sudden, all these children who saw this strange thing happen sat down in front of me. And they started to say, we heard something happen to you. Scott was telling us, can you tell us about this? I had about 20 young people. I call them young, but we're the same age. (laughs) You know, when God anoints you, you feel old. I felt old since I was 15. I tried to have one backsliding year. I tried. I'm a terrible backslider. I planned the most wicked thing I could imagine. And I was rubbish. I was so rubbish. Because I felt like God took my younger days away from me. He didn't allow me to live the 15, 60-year-old life. Because from the age of 15, I was running three churches. 
And so now I'm telling these guys about the love of God. I'm explaining to them the love of God. And in my school, there's a revival that breaks out. I didn't call it revival, but people were suddenly coming to God. The whole school was getting saved. My teacher heard about it, my RE teacher. And she said, I know a man by the name of Howard Conda. Would you come on Revelation TV tomorrow and share your message? Three days after I was saved, I was on Revelation TV. <laughs> Camera goes, and we will be live in three. I'm going, <clears throat> no idea what I'm going to say. No scriptures to rub together. All of a sudden, camera comes on and boom, the flow of God just comes out of my mouth. <laughs> I, 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 uh, I, it, I was then uh, invited by this girl. She said, do you want to come to my church? I said, what, more people that hear the voice of God? That's what I thought. I really thought this was normal. So I went along with her to a church. Uh, I won't tell that story. I went along with her to a church, and we arrived in the church. And listen, I'm Catholic. I was Catholic. Have you ever been to Pentecostal from Catholic? No, no, no. Let me, let me reiterate. Have you ever been to African Pentecostal? In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Somebody was running up and down. Somebody else was arguing with God with their fingers. I said, I said what is going on? So I stand there with my Catholic self just trying to be composed. I saw the bishop sweating. Father Brendan in my Catholic church never sweated. I saw this man and he was saying over and over and over again, never forget it. Somebody just walked in here. You will never be the same again. And something in me just said, that's me he's talking to. Because so I close my eyes, I start thanking God, I start worshiping him, and I start just thanking the, thanking the Lord. I didn't know what I was doing. I, was so, I became so grateful. I was like, thank you for my house. Oh, thank you. I start crying. Thank you for pillows. <laughs> thank you. That I sleep warm in my bed. And I'm really crying. Fully grateful. I mean, genuinely grateful. I've never been grateful in my life. I was really grateful. And all of a sudden, boom, the Holy Ghost hits me. See, I like to wake you up from time to time. So, I mean, someone was like... <laughs> all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost hits my heart. And I was filled with like... I, I hate describing my first encounter with the Holy Ghost. Because English fails. You can only express it in tongues. It's so rich, so pure, that English almost defiles it. To call it fire is a lie. To call it liquid love is a lie. To call it love is so finite, it limits the experience. You can't really explain it. You just have to experience it. It's like somebody explaining to someone who's never tasted a strawberry what a strawberry is like. You can't really explain it. You've just got to experience him. Also now was filled with this fire, this love, this ecstasy. And, 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 and I, started to, I started to cry. I was really panicked. I said, oh no, you're real. I said it over and over again. Now I was brought up uh, um, in, in Scotland actually. And, um, and my parents bought a nanny from, uh, this isn't to scare anybody, but my parents bought a nanny from Nigeria with us and she was a witch. I kid you not. She did all kinds of strange things to us that made demonic encounters very normal for me as a child. 
I hated going to sleep at night. Hated when it became dark. I was petrified of the dark. And I believe God's going to break off fear of the dark off someone today. I, I believe it. I, I don't share anything by some, but I was petrified. And now I go to my friend and I said, something happened to me in that service. Something happened. He said, what happened to you? I said, someone touched me. It was like God just came and moved into me. He said, I said, what is it? He said, he's the Holy Ghost. Now all of you are like, wow. I was like, no. I heard holy, but then I heard ghost. I said, I'm good with holy, but now you're telling me I dealt with ghosts in my, in my bedroom. I seen so I don't want another ghost in my life. I said, oh boy. And I go home knowing that he's in there somewhere. Like, oh God. And I remember, I promise you this happened. I held onto my brother's leg to, to say my night prayer because I was afraid the ghost would come. So I'm holding onto my brother's leg and I'm about to say my Hail Mary. I'm like, hell, I was still, you know, God's still working on me. So I was about to say Hail Mary. And all of a sudden, boom, the Holy Ghost fills me again. And he was telling me I don't have to be afraid. He was telling me that he's a person. He was explaining to me how much he loved me. And can I tell you something? For day after day, for, for weeks, I would spend five, six, sometimes ten hours in the presence of God. Sometimes I'll see daylight, then I'll see evening. And it was like I was in eternity. I didn't even know time existed. And I never read a, Bible, a book in my life. I was severely dyslexic. The first book I read from Genesis to the maps, I didn't read it. I ate it, the Bible. And it imprinted in my brain. I can quote scriptures from the NKG, NLT, NIV. I can give you what it, faith is the substance of things hoped for, or faith is the assurance, the confidence, the assurance. I can give you the amplified version. It's all there. When I study the Bible, people get upset with me because they have to go through text. I can just literally write down the different texts. I can say what the NLT says, the NIV. Something supernatural happened. God seared the Bible into me. And I went to, uh, I went to, uh, um, uh, my, uh, my school the next day, but this time I went with the Holy Spirit, with the baptism. And it was different. Miracles were taking place. People were being healed. I'll never forget it. I, I, my fir the first preacher I ever really saw was Benny Hinn. And when I saw him, I was petrified. I said, what's wrong with this man? Why is he... Touch! And people were... And I said, I actually said when I watched it, I said, I can do that too. So I went to my school, never forget it. I shut myself in, lunch break, and the Bible says, earnestly desire the gifts. I started craving and crying out for the gifts of the Holy Spirit to be manifested in my life. I mean, I was crying to the point I felt I could hear my heart crack. I was intensely praying. All of a sudden, a light flashed across my eyes. I didn't know what it was. So I just said, that's the sign. I got it. So I walked out. I told the CU, <laughs> I said, I'll be taking the meeting today. He said, okay. And all of a sudden, I kid you not, I'm like, touch the Holy Ghost. Boom, boom, boom. Teachers are walking past getting filled with the Holy Spirit. They're saying, can you pray for me too? Can you pray for me too? Time passed and one of my first encounters with the Lord was I was praying in my, in my bedroom. And as I was praying, just enjoying God. All of a sudden, I heard a loud noise, and I was caught up. And I was in a vision experience, and uh, somebody said to me, 
So I'm getting a, 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 I want to prophesy soon. Holy Ghost is nudging me right now. So I'm having a vision. Ex- I'm uh, sorry. Uh, should I just go ahead? Okay, in a minute. Just don't push me. Okay? Don't push me. I think it's the Holy Spirit. I hurt you. <laughs> she thought she said that in her head. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I'm... Listen, I like having fun in God's presence. If you're upset because we're laughing, then you don't, you don't want to go to heaven. Because they're very joyful in heaven. If, if joyful people annoy you, just, just skip it. Just, just hand in your robe of salvation right now. Hello. Amen. Uh, so so I, I'm caught up, and I'm in this glory, uh, uh, this, this place, and all of a sudden, uh, I'm hearing somebody on TV saying, the rapture's happened, the rapture's happened. On the TV, I saw planes colliding out the sky. I saw people crashing into each other. And, and there was a scientist on the TV saying, don't worry, it's not the rapture. People have just gone on to evolve. It's evolution. And we will soon join. There was great deception that was released at the time. And all of a sudden, I heard the scripture. I, I misapplied it. I'm not a theologian. But I heard the scripture in my heart that says, Let he that's in the house run to the rooftop. I ran upstairs to the house. And as I'm running... All of a sudden, I'm caught up in the heavens. As I'm caught up in this heavenly encounter with the Lord, I remember saying over and over and over again, oh no, I've died. What's happened? I died. How did I die? And an angel came up to me. His voice was like many waters. And he said to me, let's go and see if your name's in the Lamb's book of life. Worst feeling of my life. And he went over there and he's looking. He's even taking his time. I thought it was a joke. And he said, your name is there. I'm condensing this. And he said, running to rest. I, I came back to earth. As I'm running, by the way, I'm running over a golden bridge because I could see the glory of God behind this like castle front. And I'm running with all my might. I forgot I had a family. Can I tell some of you something who have lost people who have died, but they were in the Lord? They're not thinking about you. They're so happy. You're mourning from this side of eternity. They're mourning for you. They're crying that you're not here. I, did, I forgot I had a mom, a dad, a brother. I'm running through these gates to be with the Lord. And as I'm running, I'm coming back to my body. And I was so depressed when I came back. I had the encounter again the second time. And this time when I had the encounter, I had to go with my family. But my family were arguing with each other and shouting with each other. And the Lord said to me audibly, if you do not preach to them you will not come to this place. I said to the Lord, God, let them be heathens. Let them do what they want to do. This is good what we have. We don't need to, you know, when people come in the play, they ruin stuff. I said, God, let let us have this moment. Don't bring people to ruin what we've got. It was so beautiful, the presence of God. All of a sudden, God had me, I'm really condensing this, start preaching uh, to my family, and I started preaching to my family. Never forget the day I preached my first sermon. It was in America. And there's a, there's a joke that my family does at family altar because my dad and my mom singing together is like two cats have strangled each other over and over and over again. I thank God because I believe that between earth and heaven, there's a realm called auto tune. 
and I believe God just... Because if the music cut and you heard how you were really singing, my parents are offbeat. Uh, and there, there's a song that they sing, everything, Lord, you are everything to me. And my dad, right at the end, he has to do this. He goes, everything, Lord, you are everything to me. My treasure, my priority, who can compare to you? Great is the measure of your royalty. A morning star, you truly are everything. It stops there, right? My dad goes, to me. <laughs> it has to be there. It's like he can't help it. So my sister's a joke. She starts giggling. She's, she's the one who's told to lead worship. So she starts giggling because she knows she's going to bring up the song. So she sings every other song to warm up. Then she goes, everything. And all of us hit the floor and we are barely laughing. And then I get up and, my, and I'm supposed to preach to my family and I preach the message, never forget it, how to overcome the spirit of anger because back then we were real sharp with our words. And halfway through my preaching, my dad slammed the Bible down. He said, in an African accent, this is the biggest load of craps I have ever heard in my life. Was like the Holy Ghost just lifted. He was like, I'm out. I was like, Eloi, Eloi, Lama Seventy. He had forsaken me. And now I'm with, with this family. And then my mom goes, It's true. What, what was that? This is rubbish. Then my sister's adding insult to injury, just shaking her head with judgmental looks. And I'm getting angry. Like, what do you mean? No, this is the word of God. I just preached you the Bible. I just showed you the word of God. And they're saying, my mom goes, Toby, it appears you have a spirit of anger. <laughs> and now I'm, I'm really getting out and going, no, no, I don't. And now they're laying hands on me. I'm there to save them. And so later on, uh, I went back to God defeated from my first evangelism trip, completely defeated, back to my prayer room. And I said, God, I told you they'll ruin it. <laughs> and the Lord was quick to tell me I ruined it. I said, God, how did I ruin it? He said, I told you to preach. I said, yes, Lord, that's what I did. He said, but I didn't tell you to use words. I said, God, so how should I preach? Get a pen and a notepad. Get ready to write this down. He said, tidy up your bedroom. <laughs> I was waiting for a mystical revelation. I was waiting for an angel to show up and assist me in ministry. Or a staff that I could hold up and part my parents to the side. or something. <laughs> he said, tidy, let me put it in King JV, tidy thy bedroom. And then, do you know what? I said, God, what's your second instruction? He said this, get good grades in school. He said, didn't I say, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works? He said, Toby, if they don't see a difference between you before you knew me, and now you know me, you're nobody. He said, what I want is fruit. Can I tell you something? Gifts of the Spirit don't change the world. Gifts of the Spirit are not even there to prove that God exists. 
The Bible says the fool has said in his heart there's no God. Only the fool would look at creation and how intricate we are and say that it was an accident. Only an idiot can say something like that. Come on, somebody. You have to be a fool to see a watch on the floor like an Apple watch, as complex as it is. By the way, can I borrow your auntie and uncle? Can I have them? Can I have you? I just saw her watch and I was like, wow, look at the sparkles, God. I quickly hid mine. I was like, <laughs> anyway, I'm back. What was I saying again? Fruit. Huh? Rebecca's somewhere else. <laughs> she said rice. I don't know. What did you say? <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Amen. God wants to see fruit. Gifts don't change the world. The man that Jesus healed with a withered arm, I'm sure still picked up a stone with that withered arm and threw it at him and said, crucify him. I'm sure the blind eyes that were open were open and still judged him with their words because the same people who say Hosanna will sing crucify him. What changed the world was that a man died on a cross. And what will change the world, church, is when you die for it. What's going to transform this world is dead men, not living men. Everywhere I go, the number one pain of my heart is the church is still alive. We're still alive. You see, Samson was told by God, hey, Samson, to begin with, you're going to destroy the Philistines. Samson ended where he was meant to begin. He died in the very place that he was meant to start his ministry. But God did more with Samson in his death than in his entire life. Doesn't it hurt you that God did more with the staff of Moses than he's done with you? Doesn't it show you something that all God wants is dead people? He said, if you want to come after me, if you want to follow me, if you want these encounters that I've even talked about, I just share millions of encounters I've had with the Lord and none of them came without death. None of them came without death. Because when you come to the kingdom, can I tell you something? Evangelists are some of the great, greatest salespeople in the world. They brought you to the kingdom. They were playing the music. And you started crying as you came to the altar. You didn't know that God was holding a dagger behind his back. You didn't know that God had some nails and some hammers for you. They just told you, you're going to give your life to Christ. And everything's going to be well. But you didn't know God was hiding behind his back some nails and a hammer. Because where you go, living men don't go. Jesus Christ did not call 12 men for three years to teach them how to live. He was showing them for three years how to die. He was showing them what a death walk looks like. That if you want to encounter life, you must go through the places of death. Some of you are complaining about the pain you're going through right now. Pain is your best friend. It is working in you a far greater weight of glory. What you're suffering. If I knew, I hear preachers say it all the time. But I remember when I was first called to the ministry, a a well-known man of God laid hands on me and he prayed for me. And he started crying. I was even watching. What was he crying for? And he said, I'm so sorry. 
This wasn't even most common. Said, I'm so, I'm so sorry. And he's hugging me. He's kissing me. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I said, sorry for what? Because what you're about to pass through because of the anointing that I've seen on your life. If you want to know the cost of the oil, don't go to Tesco. Tesco will tell you $2.99. If you want to know the cost of the oil, ask the olive. The olive was crushed for the oil upon its life. I got so crazy one year, I started asking God for more suffering. Because it would seem to me that when I was being persecuted, I wasn't complacent and comfortable. It wasn't the Bible that taught me how to pray. It was my enemies. It was those who were pursuing me. You see, as the deer pants for the water, the deer doesn't pant for the water just because it's thirsty. The deer pants for the water because it knows if it gets in the water, it loses the scent so the predators can't find it. I learned how to run after God with all my heart because of the pain, the pressure. If I told you what's happened to me, some, I remember going to a Christian psychiatrist. I made the psychiatrist depressed. They never called me back for another meeting. Her and her husband, Christian psychiatrist, crying, weeping buckets when I shared with them some of the experiences I've had. Most of them, unfortunately, at the hands of the church. Because you're not a prophet till you've experienced rejection. I just helped some of you right there. I've been physically picked up by the scruff of my neck. Physically. And thrown out of churches. Never let these boys preach again. Why? Because it just seems that when they preached, they were angry that God broke out with miracles and healings and it was taking away fame from their name. Rather than asking me, instead of uh, being jealous of what was on my life, why don't you ask me about the price I paid and get down on your knees and start praying, paying it yourself as well. Because can I tell you about the price that was paid for the oil on my life? It was hours agonizing with God in his presence. Days without food and water. And I still consider it that I haven't paid a price because I want so much more. I want so much more. And can I tell you what I've come? I feel like I've come to Manchester for a reason. I feel like there is a sleeping giant. I feel it. When I was stood here, I said, God, this is an army I can hear. I can hear an army. I just pray they don't go back to sleep when they leave the meeting. I pray, God, that there would be a momentum that by themselves, they would shut themselves in. They would call the bosses and need three days off work and they would pray intensely in the Holy Ghost until burning fire touches their hearts again. That you would not be satisfied for a minute without the presence of God. I started noticing just around last year, the glory of God was light on my life. I don't like walking around and not feeling the weight. I started noticing it appeared like God was lifting. And when he's lifting, he's giving me the chance to grow up. Or I can take his correction as rejection, which many people do. And I took it as a chance to grow up. And I got into a wrestle match with God. I said, God, I've not been able to fast even three days 
dry. I, I, I'm a useless faster. <laughs> I put everyone on a fast and I'll be chewing sweets. I'll wake up in the middle of the night, yeah, I'm a pizza on the, third, on the second day. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. God, you understand. And then Father, Son, I break this fast in Jesus' name and I'll be eating. I'll call the church condemning myself. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. I'll call the church and say, all of you break fast because I feel so guilty that the pastors are fasting. And then one day God said to me, he said, go on a 21-day fast. He said, water only. I said, God, is there no grade one, then grade two? <laughs> you, just, you just go straight to university like that? <laughs> Went on a 21-day fast, water only. Had some green tea as well. It made things worse, I promise you. <laughs> that caffeine kicks in you. Just, you people look like food. While I was on this fast, by the way, I'm feeding my son at the same time. So I have to cook for him, even the baby food. Looked like the best dish. I remember just some getting on my finger and just thinking, God will be fine with me licking that off. I, I got to get rid of First week of the fast, I saw the devil in me. Oh. Many church people don't know. He's just hiding very well. Oh, first week of the fast. If you want to know who you really are, don't take a personality test. Go on a fast. <laughs> You'll find out who you are very quickly. When your stomach is grumbling and your wife is saying, take out the bins. And the <laughs> devil in you is like, who does she think she I'm a man of God. I don't, I don't take out bins. I speak in tongues and cast out devils. <laughs> Second week of the fast, something happened to me. After the first week, after I overcame the devil, all of a sudden your appetite dies. Second week of the fast, I realized I had complete control of my body. And all of a sudden I was emotionally healed. Second week of the fast, I felt such clarity. Third week of the fast, I experienced the Holy Ghost outpouring in my personal life and personal walk with God. And I began to realize that men who shake nations are men of extreme pain. Can I tell you something? How many of you want to shake nations? How many of you just want to live and die and go to heaven and be good for nothing and play harps like a baby cherubim? Can I give uh, this quick thing I gave this morning? Just really quickly. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal someone's message that I heard. Is there, can I borrow this microphone with the cable? Can I steal it? Can I climb up here? Oh, okay. See this? I remember hearing a message like this and it changed my life. This is your life. This is eternity. If I told you how you live this determines eternity, would you live for this or would you live for eternity? That's, a, that's not rhetorical. Eternity. See, we do this. I got to get the right job, then I got to get the mortgage together, and I got to get this, and I want to retire right here in the middle. And if I could just make it to my retirement age, and then we get all the way over here, we still haven't retired. 
family broken up, everything messed up, because we didn't have eternity in view. Yet how you live this, you see, you've already made the best decision of your life if you're born again. You've determined where you're going to spend eternity. Now what you're determining, by the way, is how you're going to spend it. There are various rewards that God wants to give you in, in, in eternity. And these rewards will reflect in time. And I won't go into them today. I'll come back another time. Amen. Amen. That is, the, that is the pastor's international sign of I'm closing my message. It's when they close the Bible and the laptop, but then they keep going for another two hours. Generally after, you always see it happen. They close it and then they continue. I'm going to behave myself today. Are you glad you came? Yeah. Have you enjoyed the presence of God? Yeah. Can I get some help on the keys and with the instruments? I just want to prophesy over a few of you. Amen. Let me quickly give you this, just in case you think I didn't uh, give you a message. Keys to encounter. Are you ready? Are you ready? Keys to encounter. The first key, you're not going to like it. But you'll learn to like it. Your first key to encounter is displeasure. You've got to be displeased with where you are. If you're comfortable with your relationship with God, no encounters. If you don't allow the discomfort to displease you, no encounters. There has to be deep agony, deep burden. Bob says, Nehemiah saw the state of Israel and he wept. He said bitterly for the state of Israel. Only men of burden can shift nations. It takes pain to birth a baby. I've been there where my wife has given birth. I pray for all men who have been there. May God heal your minds. I saw stuff I, I just can't unsee. I closed my eyes and I'm like, wow, God. Eve really did you bad. There's got to be a deep, deep burden, a deep displeasure about where you are currently. And if there's not that displeasure, listen, there will not be encounter. Then, if you're going to have an encounter, you've got to learn to turn the displeasure into desire. The Bible says God looked and he saw that none stirred himself up. Nobody's going to crank you up to seek God anymore. I know you used to watch T.D. Jakes to make you happy. Get ready, get ready, get ready. And you're there like, yes, now I'm going to pray. I know you used to get your fix every single Sunday, but no more fixes. No more spiritual life support. We're turning off the machines. No more leeching off your pastors. You've got to turn the displeasure you feel into a desire for God. And as if you want that desire to grow, you go to the next phase, discipline. Is this helping somebody? You take the desire. I, I don't, can I give you a secret? Most pastors won't tell you. 
I don't always want to pray. I don't always. I don't wake up like, oh, I want to worship. No. I definitely don't want to fast. I don't want to. You see, when it, when it comes to prayer, the reason why we don't like praying is because prayer goes against the flesh. The flesh wants its will. It wants its way. It wants to do what it wants to do. It thinks it's smarter than God. We think we know more than God. So you turn the displeasure into a, desi- into a discipline. And then when you turn it into a discipline and you learn to connect with God, you were, you were giving me a term that I want to use for discipline now, covenant prayer. I'm stealing it. <laughs> For me, covenant prayer, from what you're saying, covenant prayer is when you just make a decision. You've made up in your mind, come hell or high water, you're going to see the face of God. You've made up, something is made up in your mind. You clear your schedule. You say, if I have to wake up at 3 a.m., I'll wake up at 3 a.m. If I'm tired on the job, I'm going to be tired on the job. If I need, I need at least six hours to do this. If I need to pray in tongues, I can't do an hour anymore. You're praying an hour for, for an hour in tongues, your guts are hurting. You haven't started praying till your guts hurt. You pray like Still pretty tongues. You sound like you're speaking French. Je bear le brom But when you really pray in tongues, it goes deep. Your spirit starts to travail. You start to feel real agony. When you really press in, your soul gets involved. You begin to weep and cry. You don't know where the tears are coming from. It's like they're streaming from you. All of a sudden, you want to repent because in the light of God's holiness, you become undone. Ho! As you press in deeper into that place, as you seek Him with discipline, the devil will tell you, give up. The devil will tell you, your prayers are going nowhere. Keep on pressing. Keep on pressing. And all of a sudden, I'll tell you what happened to me as I was in that place pressing. While I was in that place, can you help me just on the keys and I'm going to prophesy. While I was in that place pressing in and I was praying all of a sudden, I, was, I remember being in my room. It was 3 a.m. I was so hungry for the Lord. I developed such a discipline in prayer that it became like an insatiable appetite. And I was up. 3 a.m. There were not enough hours in the day. So I got up at 3 a.m. I made sure I went to bed real early. And I was up 3 a.m. Nobody else was there but my twin brother who had fallen flat asleep. And I, I'm just there on my knees. And I start to sing songs. And I begin to pray in the Spirit. And I'm singing songs. And I'm praying in the Spirit. The Bible says with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, make melody in your heart to God. And I'm praying in tongues. I'm singing in the Spirit. And all of a sudden I began to pray in the Holy Ghost till my belly ached. I mean, I was praying and I was pressing in and I was pressing for the atmosphere, not just in my room to shift, but the atmosphere in my nation to shift. I've actually seen over seven revivals in the United Kingdom. All of them burst through people who were on their knees, agonizing for hours in the presence of God. And as I was agonizing and as I was praying, all of a sudden I'll never get this encounter as long as I live. I heard... blowing in my ear. The breath was eternal. It never breathed in. 
It just kept going and it kept blowing. And I was being filled with this, with this presence, with the holiness of God. I remember there was an awe. There was an experience of fear of the Lord. And as I'm there in that place, all of a sudden the voice said to me, you will see the Father today. And I, I've encountered Jesus. Let me tell you, I've encountered the Holy Ghost. But can I tell you something? If you have encountered the Father, it's like being in a, in a jumbo jet hangar. And there are, bring to the sound of millions of jumbo jets. And I'm in this place. And there was a loud, terrible uh, uh, wind that was just blowing through my room. I was shocked that my brother didn't like fly out the room. I remember I lost the slit in my eyes. I became only conscious of my spirit. And my eyes completely welded over. Such was the holiness of this experience. I couldn't open my eyes to see God. Everything was covered. And I'll never forget just being in that place, my mouth, I couldn't even open it. And all of a sudden I'm caught up in this, in this holy uh, anointing. And I understood what Ezekiel meant when he said I was pulled up by my hair into the whirlwind of God. Because all of a sudden I was pulled up into a whirlwind and I heard the Lord say, revival will break out now. Revival will break out now. I went to Hartlandshire University and I went prayer walking through, remembering the voice of the Lord that said to me from the heavens, the revival will break out. We see thousands of young people come to the knowledge of Christ Jesus and they would feel the, the lecture rooms. The revival broke out while I was in university. Myself and my brother were known as the revival twins, the fire twins, because the fire God, people would just come from everywhere for the fire God and would ask them, how do you know about the service? They'll say we were on our beds and we had a dream that we should be in this place and we just came. There was very little advertising, but God was pulling people together. Where did it come from? Encounter. Encounter will produce fruit. It will produce fruit. Stand to your feet. Thank you for tuning in to Preston Podcast. We hope you have enjoyed today's episode. For more information and teachings, go to www.prestone.org.